Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, it is Wednesday, middle of the week. We look back at the Sunday morning sermon, and this past Sunday morning, you took us back to Psalm 139, He Knows You was your title. Yeah, it's a great little passage. It's, it's nothing really profound for us, but but those Bible students who know the God's Word, it's just a good reminder to us about our relationship with the Lord. And he, he will just express that multiple ways as he, as the psalmist David here is talking about his relationship with God. As he's talking about God, what he's really talking about is how God knows him. And, and that's just a wonderful concept. He, he goes through several little details, and we're going to kind of uh, stress those here in just a minute and talk about those. But, but then he, he talks about there's no place I can go that God's not there. And he, he just goes through a lot of different situations. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to Sheol, you are there. If I go to the remotest parts of the sea, you are there. God is everywhere. And, and God knows him. God is everywhere. And, and that, that thought just reminds us that there's a divine intimacy that God wants to have with us. And so that's really what the lesson was about is that God really knows you. God really wants you to know him. And then together, you and God, great things happen when you work together. And, and as we think about that concept, the idea that God really knows us, and, and we'll, we'll read some of these in just a minute about the details of this, but on the surface, that can be scary. Um, some people may not like that, that I can't escape the eye of God. Everything I do, God knows. And uh, I think it only is going to scare you if you're not doing what's right. It's kind of like driving down the highway and the police car is following you. Well, it only scares you if you're not doing what you should be doing. If you're doing everything okay, it's comfort. Know that the policeman's there and maybe he's got his eye on you and it's going, it's going to be safe for you. And the same thing as David was presenting this, this was not presenting as something he didn't like and wished God wasn't like that. He was seeing this as a blessing in his life. It is wonderful to know that God truly knows me. And, and as we express in this, in the sermon, there is nobody that's known you better and longer than God has. Your parents know you for a section of your time. If you get married, your mate knows you for a section of your life. Your kids know you for a section of your life. You got work relationships, but no one has been everywhere all the time as God has. And David was bringing this out as a great source of comfort and encouragement. You know, it is fascinating to me as you learn more and more about how social media is used, and especially by our youngest people in society. We keep hearing consistently, um, th- these are young people that don't feel 
known. And, and that's fascinating, maybe a little backwards uh, from what we might initially think, because I never has it been easier to share what's going on, even the most mundane details of life. Uh, lots of people are involved in sharing lots of things to huge numbers of people, uh, just audiences that, Roger, you and I, when we were that age, it it, it it just was not possible uh, to let a few thousand people know, um, hey, this is what my lunch looks like. Not necessarily that you would even want to do that when, <laughs> when you were that age. But I, my point is, we've got these incredible tools at our disposal, and yet we consistently hear from people young and old, but especially young, I don't feel really known. I'm not sure that anyone knows the real me. And the the social media impact is another whole conversation. But I love how you brought out even from the beginning of this conversation. Psalm 139 isn't complicated. It's it, it is familiar to many students of the Bible, but such a powerful reminder that young and old need to hear. Just like David begins in verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know. You know me. And that is what young and old need to hear, right? Especially, I loved how you brought up, God knows you and he still loves you. He still wants to be with you. I think that's a, a you know a inner problem a lot of folks have is that you know we we put out this facade we put out this image of who I am and half this image is is just something that I think you're going to like so you'll like me and if I if I really pull the covers back pull the curtain back you really saw the true me uh, you probably wouldn't like me and, and I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think they feel that way toward God, that that God knows me in a church building. He knows me when I do something nice. And if God really, really knew me, God would have nothing to do with me. Well, what David is saying is, no, I really, really do know you. and I know you better than anybody. I probably know you even better than you know yourself. And I still love you, and I still want to be with you. And that's what's amazing about this chapter. Absolutely. So let's let's zero in really on verses two, three, and four. You briefly highlighted these some ordinary things that we do in our lives, but that God knows. And I figured for the next few minutes here in the middle of the week, as we head off to school, as we go to work, as we spend time in living rooms and around kitchen tables this week, to think about the practical applications of okay. God knows where I sit. God knows where I stand. God knows where and when I lie down. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm going to say even before I say it. Let, let's try and put some practical lenses on this. Why is it important to realize, maybe alarming, but also maybe comforting to realize God knows when and where I sit down. 
God knows when you're tired. You know, we sit down sometimes because we're tired. God knows what's going on in your life. Again, somebody at work, somebody at school, even in your family, they may not go through or understand fully what's going on in your life. They may not appreciate uh, the burdens you're carrying or what, what the emotional weight is to you. And, and there's times when mentally, emotionally, and sometimes even physically, we just have to sit down. And God knows that. God knows what's going on in your life. And he's no, he knows what valleys you're walking through, what storms you're encountering. And there's great hope and comfort with that. You know, I, I think it's so interesting how the book of Psalms begins in chapter 1 because it, again, talks about sitting down. And, and again, it talks about the awareness of God. Psalms 1, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. God knew that. So here's a man that's not sitting down or participating with wrong things, and God recognized that. But but I, but I think there's a lot of other applications we could talk about this, Jason. We, we could talk about just sitting down with somebody and uh, as you said, having a conversation with them. Yeah. Here's somebody that that's just maybe church, and I see this sometimes. Church services are over, people are up, they're getting all their stuff together, they're walking out, but there sets one person still sitting in the pew, all by themselves, all by themselves. And I have on multiple occasions just gone up to that person and sat down beside them, and just you know, hey, what's going on, and can I help you, and. Just to, just to know that somebody saw that and recognized that, it can be very comforting there. I think about sitting down with a child. I mean, I've got a million grandchildren and, and, <laughs> and that's what I do sometimes. I'll just sit on the floor with them and we just start talking. And of course, in the, in the, in the world of a four year old, you know, their, their world is full of bugs and <laughs> toys and stuff like that, but they love to talk about it. And we big people, sometimes we can be so wrapped up in the wars in Israel and the economy and stuff that we have no time for that child. But that child's going to remember if you just took a little bit of time and sat down and got into his world and recognize how important he is. You know, the way I am wired, and I'm pretty sure the way you are wired, it is much easier for me to be going, going, going than at times just to sit down, let's say with a child. But as you brought up, it is very significant that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John all tell us there were times when Jesus the Lamb of God, the very Son of God, just sat down and allowed children to be brought to him. That was not a waste of time. No, and and again, it he saw the value of people of all ages. Yeah. And, and sometimes we can think, well, I'm too busy, I'm too important, and we forgot what it's like when we were a child. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of us have great impressions of older people who took time for us, and that made a big difference. The Lord knows when I sit down, but he also knows when I rise up. What What's a good practical way of thinking today? Okay, the Lord knows when and where I stand. 
And, and, and when I think about that, I think about standing on principles. I, I think about maybe standing up for somebody. Maybe, maybe, uh, you're a student and you're listening to this and you see a lot of people at school making fun of somebody and you stand up, you defend that person. Uh, the Lord recognizes that. You, you, you realize what's going on is not right. They're teasing this person or they're bullying this person and you stand there and you stand up for that person and you try to get them to, to leave them alone and to change the conversation. I, the Lord recognizes that. I, I think another great application is when we stand for truth. God recognizes that, that, that there's certain lines that have to be drawn in the sand of right and wrong. And uh, I heard somebody saying the other day, where our culture is, it has two feet firmly planted on the air. <laughs> and, and no one wants to say, this is always right, this is always wrong. They, they don't want to make that declaration. God does. And so when there are times when we're just going to say, no, I can't do that, or no, this is not right, or yes, I will do that, and and to stand for that. You know, we, we, we go back to uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 3, and we think about those three, those three Jewish men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everyone bowed down with that idol, but they stood. There's times you stand, and God sees that. Yeah, and the powerful reminder of scripture is what whether you can see with your physical eyes or not the story of those three men or the story of esther or the story of john the baptist or we could go on and on and on old and new testaments give us the the perspective that i'm never standing alone right even if i'm the only human being standing up for what is right I am not standing alone. There was a a fiery figure in that furnace with those three young Jewish men, right? Even though we don't read the name of God in the book of Esther, God is right there with Esther. Even though it cost John the Baptist his life, that was not the end of John's story, right? When we stand for what is right, we are not standing alone. We are on the Lord's side, and on his side, we are always in the majority. Okay, so the Lord knows when I sit. He knows when and where I stand. He knows when I lie down, we hear in Psalm 139. What's the significance of that? Well, you know, we, we think about going to bed. That's what comes to my mind. We're lying down. Yep. It's, it's the end of a day. And God has seen what I have accomplished today. God has seen what I've done today. And, and how many opportunities, how many open doors, how many blessings came from heaven this day. And God was there to help me. And, and so at the end of a day, sometimes we're weary and sometimes it's been a long day and God recognizes that. You know, we, we will sleep, but God doesn't rest. God, God's eyes will be upon us and God will take care of us. And I, and I think that that's, again, such comfort as David was saying this. It's not like, okay, it's nighttime, lights are out and I'm on my own until the sun rises and God's not with me because God's going to sleep too. God doesn't sleep. And so while I'm asleep, God's not. And God's there to help me. And that's just a great, great comfort to me. It is surely not an accident that he created us to basically spend a third of our lives 
asleep. <laughs> what a powerful day by day by day reminder that the world does not revolve around me and the world does not depend upon me. While I am asleep, he is awake. I am in his hands. And as he carries me through the night and blesses me with another day, what powerful perspective I ought to have that even when I had no idea what was going on, the Lord was perfectly aware. He knows. He knows when I sit. He knows where I stand. He knows my lying down. Psalm 139 verse 2 says, you discern my thoughts from afar. Latter part of verse 3, you are acquainted with all my ways. God knows even what I'm thinking. Yeah, and that, that again is just, just a comforting thought as you, as you really just kind of just dwell upon that. You know, the, the, the thoughts of our mind become our words. They become our actions. And, you know, you just don't do things without first thinking it. That's the way the, the body operates. The mind is what gets us going. And so, you know, when you think about thoughts, you can think about plans. You can think about what I want to do tomorrow. And God is aware of those thoughts. Uh, the book of James would, would, would remind us there to, to, to bring God into that by saying, if the Lord wills, I will do this and I will do that. And so the Lord knows our thoughts. Now, again, the, the scary side of this is there's some thoughts we shouldn't have, some thoughts about people that we shouldn't have. And as we think about gossip or negative things, but the, but the blessing is just those sweet, precious memories we often have. And sometimes those are the, those things go together with our going to sleep. We we think about the day, we think about people, we think about people that maybe don't live with us right now, or maybe people are already on the other side. But those precious memories, we think about moms and dads, maybe years and years ago, what they used to do for us, or our siblings, or our grandparents, and, and those thoughts can help us. Sometimes those thoughts will prompt us, prompt us, you know what, tomorrow I need to, I need to do this, or tomorrow I, I need to step up and do this, and, and that helps us. God knows our thoughts. It's a great, great concept. Yeah, and you, in the sermon, took us to the New Testament words of Jesus where this stresses the importance of loving God, not just with my body on a Sunday morning by showing up in a church building, right? But I love him with my physical strength, with my emotions, with my soul, with my, my thoughts, my mind, right? All of this is a reminder. He knows Everything about me outside and in. There may be things going on in my mind that no one around me is aware, but he is. In fact, here's our last one from Psalm 139. He knows where I sit. He knows when I stand. He knows my lying down. He knows what I'm thinking. Verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. That's, that's, you know, especially from, 
someone who speaks publicly as we do as preachers, <laughs> that is a thought. <laughs> uh, there are some times I wish the Lord would change a word or two, you know. You, you say the wrong word or you say a word doesn't you don't pronounce it right or something, that <laughs> that is a thought. But but again, the the comforting idea of that, uh the good that can come from that, the the thoughts lead to the words, leads to compliments, leads to praise, leads to sharing the gospel. Uh, the Lord is aware of those things. Before you write that word on a card that uh, you send it to somebody that you've been thinking about, before you send that email, you send that text, and you just say, hey, you know, I had you on my mind. I said a prayer about you today. Um, you know, the Lord knows those things. And so well, part of this reminds us that we don't, at the end of the day, have to report to God. God, today I was sitting here, and God over here I was standing, and God I was lying <laughs> down here. Here's a thought I had, God, and God, here's something that I said. He already knows those things. He already knows that. And as we said in our lesson, you're never going to surprise God. You're never going to shock God. God's never going to say, unbelievable, I didn't know that, because he knows you. And because he knows you so well, and as you know him and that relationship he wants, it just brings the two of you together. And you understand what he wants as he understands you, and you start realizing there's nothing God tells me to do that is impossible. If God was to say swim across the ocean, I can't do that. He knows I can't do that. But if God says, I want you to stand up for my principles, yeah, I can do that. He knows I can do that. God says, I want you to live righteously. I I can't throw up my hands and say, God, that's impossible. I cannot do that. He knows me because he made me, and he knows I can do that. And so through all of this, as we, as we, you know, partner with God, it helps us in this walk and this relationship we have. Roger, I so appreciate the, the summary, the, the simple way that you brought out this powerful idea. Even for those of us who heard it on Sunday, it is a great reminder here in the middle of the week. God knows you and he still loves you. And he wants to be with you. He wants you to know him. Your sermon helped us along those lines. And so thank you very much to our listeners. If you would like to listen again, or if you were unable to join us in person or online, that sermon, God Knows You, is freely available front and center, charlestownroad.org, and on our sermon podcast feed. You would be well served by going back and allowing Psalm 139 to give you fuel for this week. Well, we have the opportunity to get to know God even better this evening. It's Wednesday eve or Wednesday. We're looking forward to gathering together this evening at seven o'clock PM. And Roger, you you're gonna be teaching in the auditorium. Yes, our our class is entitled How the Old Testament Ends. And this month we're focusing upon the book of Nehemiah. And specifically tonight, we're going to be talking about the prayers found in Nehemiah. There are 14 different prayers, and we're not going to look at all of them, but we're going to kind of pull them together, and we're going to talk about some characteristics of prayer, and that will help us as we think about heading into Thanksgiving, which is going to be next week. Yes, hard to believe that we're on that doorstep. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we are surveying Exodus through Deuteronomy through the lens 
of God saying, you shall be my people. Last Wednesday evening, we looked at the tabernacle. This evening, we want to look at those Old Testament priests. God told Israel, I want you to be to me a kingdom of priests. And those men played such a vital role in Israel's history. We want to try and understand that a little bit more, but also draw the line in the New Testament to disciples of Jesus now are called to be priests of God. What does that mean? What's it have to do with being a part of his people? That's what we'll be diving into. Lord willing, this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m., I'm blessed with the opportunity to preach. Roger, you mentioned we are on the doorstep of Thanksgiving. I actually want to go to the psalm just before where you were this past Sunday, Psalm 138, another psalm of David. And what I love about this is it not only reminds us about the importance of giving thanks, but it is straight out of our theme for the year. Finish what was started. And so we'll just survey Psalm 138. We'll hear David say, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. We'll talk a little bit about what that means, but also where it ends in helping us finish what was started. We're also in part three of a Sunday evening chair series. Yeah, our chair series is where we move the pulpit out of the way and we put up a couple chairs and Jason and I together uh, speak on Sunday evening. We're doing a series about Israel. Israel's in the middle of a war and the whole world is kind of shaken by these things. And so we have already talked about Israel in the Old Testament And we've talked about Israel in the New Testament. So part three of this four-part segment is going to be talking about Israel in the kingdom of God. What do we mean by those terms? And again, we'll look through several passages to try to help us to understand what the Bible teaches about this. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We're already looking forward to being together this evening, 7 o'clock p.m. We would love to see you this Sunday, the best day of the week. Come and grow with us. 